Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. weird i uh i remember when bye weeks didn't exist does anybody else remember that people think it's just always been this way it's not the case it was then it wasn't now it is how's that sound okay well there you go and that is the news of the week <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Green Bean. Welcome to episode 92 of Green Bean's Jets Pod. I am relaxed. The great thing about a bye week and episode 92 is that uh, we can't lose. We can't lose. Now, years ago, uh, for the past however long, this was a joke week, right? This was the week of the joke. You guys know the joke. I just kind of tipped my hand a little bit, but this was the joke. I would get calls from my uh, my family and friends, some friends. They would say things like, hey, good news. I'm like, what? Like, hey, at least the Jets won't uh, lose this week. Every year I get these stupid calls. So we don't get that this year. But now it's the same thing, but for much, much better reasons, right? The New York Jets, as we know, are 6-3, and three, resting our team. During this bye week, when the other teams around are struggling and kicking and clawing to either climb out of the hole or keep it going or bounce back, whatever it might be, the Jets right now are nursing bumps, bruises, springs, twists, things of that nature. And it's a good time for the bye week this year. Last year, we had the bye week like week five, week four. Whatever the hell it was, it did nothing, right? And Salah said, he, he, realists, he says, oh, well, you know, bad teams get the bye week early. You know, they save the, the, the later bye weeks for teams that have a shot. So the fact that the Jets have the bye week now, kind of in the middle of it all, right, is, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. Because the NFL gave us this really, really difficult schedule. 
maybe they knew something we didn't. I, I don't know. But it looked like this schedule was, oh, my God. I mean, the AFC North. The, then you had the Bills and the Pats and the Dolphins of the AFC East. And they just shoehorned the Packers and the Broncos. And it was like, oh, my God. How are we supposed to get through this? Now, we did get through it. And uh, they gave us a bye week now, which is perfect. Like dead smack in the, in the middle of it all, right? Nine games done, eight games to go, bye week in the middle. I like it. Well, there is no middle anymore, right? We know that. Odd numbers are odd. That's why they're called odd. That's what I think. Thank you. I'll be here all week. So, guys, it's really nice to, uh, to talk with you under cir- such circumstances. And today's show will be a little bit different, right? Because we don't have a game to talk about. And uh, we don't really have, like, all the stress and tension and, and all that stuff. So we're going to take a look. at. Let's take a minute, take a step back, and take a look at some stuff, huh? Today's show is going to be about the biggest surprises, both offense and defense, on the 2022 New York Jets. And, guys, it's not all going to be positive. I have been surprised by a few things that I don't like. How's that grab you? Now, again, like we've said for the past few weeks, it's tough to complain when you're winning. And I certainly am not one to do so. But that doesn't mean that you still can't constructively look at other things. Like, there's all these weird opinions out there right now. Like, either you're this or you're that. Nah, I don't agree with that one bit. I'm neither of those things. So uh, that idea is just non-existent to me. Remember, Obi-Wan Kenobi said it best. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. And I agree, Obi-Wan. Thank you. I agree with Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I don't, I don't buy into this, you're either this or you're that. And I don't buy into the idea that if you suck, you can't like some things. And if you're good, you can't dislike something. I don't buy it. I just don't buy into that. And I don't care. I feel how I feel and I like and think how I like and think. And that is what it is. Now, the good news about a guy like myself is that I also still consider others' opinions and ideas. My mind changes all the time. Imagine that. Like, there's not an idea that I made up, you know, six months ago that I've gotten plenty of data that contradicts or opposes my original thought, and I'm still holding the original thought because it's mine. Like, I don't do that. Uh, not all the time. I do it. But I'm... Uh, I'm working on it. You know, I like to listen to others' opinions. That's what we're doing here, in my opinion, right? What are we doing? We're here to talk about stuff. It is not a prerequisite. Oh, good. Sorry. Uh, it, it, it's not required that someone agree with me, right? And I hope I'm not required to agree with you because this is how we learn. That's how we learn. So we're going to get into some stuff today. We'll get into it. And uh, we'll see where it goes, you know. But before that, we have a few things like our player profile, episode 92. We're going to dig into episode 92, and it's another one where we don't have a number 92 on the team. So we're it's interesting. I had a few choices. Let's see who we dig into. Before I do, I'd like to take a brief moment and remind you of just a few short things. One is if you'd be so kind, it's so important for YouTubers like myself, if you just Click that little thumbs up button. It means the world. YouTube responds to it and it helps the channel more than you'd think, quite frankly. It's really an amazing thing. The other thing is if you haven't subscribed to the channel, we now have a goal. My two years on YouTube ends on December 31st. So December 31st is my two year anniversary on YouTube. 
I'm trying to make a push to get to 10,000 subs by that time. You know what's funny? My original plan was five. Five, 2,500, or I would think it was uh, 1,500 the first year, and then I wanted to get to 5,000 the second year. So we're exceeding that. I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be more grateful. So now we want to see if we can get to that 10,000 subscriber mark by December 31st. As we get closer, we'll start giving stuff away and we'll, we'll blow horns and throw confetti and we'll do all this stuff if we get close, right? So if you haven't subscribed, now's a great time to do so and it's appreciated. It's the only way the channel can grow. That's it. If we don't get subscribers and likes, YouTube does not care about us. Now guys, if you'd like additional content, things like classic game watch parties, things like post-game Zoom rooms where we get together and we either commiserate or we celebrate. Lately, we've been doing a lot of celebrating. You can do that by joining the Beanbaggers, our private exclusive group by clicking the link in the description of this very video. Guys, it's uh, it's growing and I couldn't be happier with the people that are in there. It's a blast, man. We talk almost every day. They have access to me. It's just a cool thing. If you're interested in that, come on in, click the link in the description and you can join up and I appreciate it. It helps me more than you think. Let me tell you that. More than you'd think it would. So guys, with that all said, let's move into the player profile of the week. Who did I choose? Did I choose Leo Williams? Huh? Maybe I did. Sixth overall pick. Mike McCagnin's first ever draft pick. Made it to the Pro Bowl as an alternate. His rookie year. Now he's over at the Giants, though. Joe Douglas traded him. Got himself a third and a fifth. Uh... Leo had a great season his contract year, double-digit sacks, and uh, got himself 21 mil per season, and then kind of said, you know what, I'm good. I don't know, I haven't kept up with him, but he's a good player. The thing with Leo is that he was always healthy, always played hard, and that's the thing, you know, you got to love a player like that. Leo was a good Jet, but he's not a Jet anymore. And I did not choose, even though I kind of just did a little bit, but I chose to dig deeper into a guy that we've largely forgotten about. We've just put him aside. And the reason we put him aside is kind of legit. It's kind of legit. Not enough to really do it. We should have calmed down by now and welcomed him back. But we kind of just said, nah, you want to do that? You're out. You're out of the club. And his name is Sean Ellis. Sean Ellis wore the number 92 for the New York Jets for 11 straight seasons. Now, Sean Ellis was our first of the big four. Remember, we had the four first-round draft picks, the Parcells, Al Groh. We traded Keyshawn, got two first. Bill Belichick left us at the altar, so we got a first out of that. And then we had our own first. Sean Ellis was the first guy we took out of the bunch. Pick number 12, defensive end, Sean Ellis. Sean Ellis, again, played with us for 11 seasons. Now, what did he look like for, for those 11 seasons? 11 seasons is 184 games. And you want to know why it's 184? Because Sean Ellis played seven 16-game seasons in those 11 years. Three of the other seasons were 15. So he only missed one game three seasons and no games seven seasons. He had two seasons where it was under 15 games that he played for us. And one was 13 and one was 14. So the guy was with us. He was on the field for 11 
years. And it's interesting because at that time, you know, like during his tenure, we had like the Brickishaw Ferguson come and Mangold come. And there was a time where we largely had this healthy group of guys that were just on the field for us all the time. Sean Ellis was one of those guys. His stats look like this. This guy in 11 seasons had 588 tackles, 411 of them were solo tackles. We watched Sean Ellis for 11 years make 411 tackles all by himself. All by himself. Just him and the ball carrier, no chance. Sean Ellis is there and he took care of him. He also had 83 tackles for a loss, 72 and a half sacks, plus he created 13 forced fumbles. This guy was a force to be reckoned with. And it's such an interesting thing with Sean Ellis because he was never considered like the best. He just never was. He was the epitome of solid. Had a few multiple uh, sack seasons, 10, and then he had some eights and things like that. But he was never like the best. He was just always very, very good. Now, he had his peaks where he had his, you know, more impact than others. But Sean Ellis was a dependable guy that we loved. Well, Sean Ellis. In his last little run with the New York Jets, in the playoffs of 2010, in the last game that the Jets won that was really important to the Jets, they call it the second most important victory in Jets history. There's Super Bowl three, and then there's this one. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but it's up there. When we went to Foxborough to play the New England Patriots, the last time we played them, they killed us like 43-3, something like 45-3. Sean Ellis in that game had two sacks, really three sacks, but one he kind of got, he got to throw it away or something along those lines. They, they didn't call it a sack. Three sacks, I'm calling it. Three tackles for a loss, plus he had five other tackles. The guy was an absolute demon. Then we played in Pittsburgh. We lost. He didn't have any sacks, but he had like another two tackles for a loss, three, five tackles, something along those. So the last little burst of time for Sean Ellis, the last time he played Tom Brady, he had three sacks, three tackles for a loss, five tackles. The guy was out of control. He took over the game. What did the Jets do? We let him go. We didn't, actually, you know what we did? We offered him vet minimum, and that was insulting. But Jets fans don't look at it through that lens. And I know this because I am one, and I've talked to so many about Sean Ellis over the years. Sean Ellis got signed by the Patriots. They gave him an actual contract. So they gave him the respect that he deserved. The Jets did not. And if you remember that 2011 offseason, I, I consider the worst in Jets history. We were a juggernaut. 2009, 2010, the Rex, the Revis, all the stuff. We decided to let all of our leaders go. Brad Smith said the same thing. He said, the Jets never even contacted me. He signed with the Bills. He said they just showed no interest, none. So I had to sign with the Bills. He didn't want to sign with the Bills. You think Sean Ellis wanted to go sign with the Patriots? The Jets are offering him vet minimum as an old man. Ah, you want to come back as a backup or something. He just had three sacks in Foxborough. We gave him nothing. The Patriots offered him, I think, so this is a long time ago, but I think it was like a $3 million a year contract. So it was still a legitimate contract. And the Jets offered him nothing. He went up to New England. He played in the Super Bowl. They lost that year to the Giants. So he didn't get a ring like somebody else I could name right now. But it's still, it rubbed Jets fans the wrong way. Sean Ellis, when he did that, was kind of written off. And it's a sad thing because Sean Ellis was a New York Jet. 
He was our longest tenured Jet for the last four or five years of his, of his, you know, his career with us. He was the Jet. He was the guy. He outlasted everybody from the 2000 draft class. Everybody. Becht, Pennington, Abraham. He was still there. He was the mainstay. He made it through numerous coaching staffs, right? Al Groh, Herm Edwards, Mangini, Rex Ryan. And then at the end, the Jets just decided it wasn't worth anything. He didn't earn that with us. He didn't earn that like, hey, you got you to gotta just keep. Now, there's some sides to that. You don't want to be misguided by emotions. But at the same time, he just had three He was a good ball player. And even if he did kind of phase out into the background a little bit, it's fine. Give him his last year with the Jets. He went up. He played his last season with the New England Patriots. He only had like 14 tackles, a sack, two tackles. for. He didn't do much up there. But still, the fact that he went up there, Jets fans just kind of wrote him off. Same thing with Brad Smith. Jericho Cotri left that year. Bray Bray, right? We let them all go. We let the whole team go. We kept Santonio Holmes. We brought in Plaxico Burris and Derek Mason. And it was over. The dream was dead. What do you think, Jet fans? Shouldn't he be back? He was 11 seasons as a Jet. He's a Jet. Number 92. The player profile for episode 92 of Green Beans Jets Pod, Mr. Sean Ellis. Come on back to us, Sean Ellis. I'm out here. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. We want you back. I'm ready like this. I'm ready with open arms, Mr. Sean Ellis. Come back. I love you. There it is. Sean Ellis. All right. Since we don't have a game, let's take a minute. Let's review our season, huh? This has been a crazy one. We've had all sorts of ups and downs and emotions. We've been under attack. We're still under attack. Just this week, we were called a cult. A cult. I don't know who the leader is. I haven't been to a, a, a cult meeting in a long time. But guys, we have been under attack for years and it doesn't stop. Just because we won six games when they were predicting either none or max three this first half of the season, just because we outdid that, doubled it, beat the Vegas over under already in the first half of the season, it doesn't matter. We're still under attack. So this season, I mean, what we're watching, what we're seeing is kind of nuts. We're kind of outdoing even our greatest expectations, the most positive among us. I don't think many of them landed on 6-3. Now, we got the coin flip guy. He nailed it, right? But outside of him, I mean, who's thinking 6-3? and three? So we have a lot to dig into. And the truth is, is a lot of stuff surprised me. Now, maybe it didn't surprise you, but we're going to talk about a few of these things. I'll start with the offense. Let's go into the biggest surprises this year. From the offensive perspective, well, number one, I'd like to say Brees Hall. Now, it's a shame, man. Isn't it a shame? But I still want to honor this guy. For the first half of the season, Brees Hall, who had a rough start, man. Let's, let's not forget that. He had a couple drop passes. He had a fumble or two. The guy had a rough go, but he just kept going, and the team kept trusting him. And thank goodness that they did. In my opinion, we have potentially the best running back that we've had in green and white since Curtis. And now look, I loved Chris Ivory. I loved Chris Ivory. I liked the idea of Matt Forte. Right? You know, obviously I love Michael Carter, but Brees Hall is a whole different thing in my opinion. And it's such a shame that he ended up tearing his, his knee and, and he had to, you know, end his rookie season early because 
In my opinion, he was a shoe-in for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Shoe-in. Think about this. Brees Hall, in the first seven games that he played, he had 80 rushes for 463 yards, a 5.8-yard average with four touchdowns. Now, he's also credited from next-gen stats with having the second fastest run from a running back all season, 21.87 miles per hour. That was on his last run, the 62-yard uh, touchdown. Sad to say, he was still picking up steam, man. So this guy was on pace to get about 1,200 and change yards, eight touch, eight or nine or 10 touchdowns. And let's add to that, he also has 19 receptions for 218 yards and another touchdown. The guy was going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And don't forget, we were laughed at by uh, PFF. Oh, my God, the Jets prove again how stupid they are. <laughs> Brees Hall, no! running back. Holy oh, shit! Oh, no way! Holy oh, Is anyone laughing? Now, the guy tore his knee, so it is what it is. Obviously, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. He should have won something. Rookie of the Month. He should have won it for that month. Even though he was hurt the last week, he should have. But that said, what a delightful surprise Brees Hall was. Now, a lot of us were, were, uh, were high on him. We expected good things, but not this. Brees Hall is my first positive surprise of the 2022 season. Let's just dive over to another rookie, huh? What about this Garrett Wilson guy? What about Garrett Wilson? My second delightful surprise of the 2022 season is none other than him. I love everything about this guy. I love his rah-rah attitude on the side. I love the fact that he gets banged up, shoes the trainer away, and stands on the sideline waiting to get back into the game. I love this guy. I love his intensity on the field when he scored the touchdowns in Cleveland. Don't forget, he's from Ohio. Nine out of ten of those people in the in the audience in the crowd there are are fans of his, and he's yelling "F you!" That's right. Ah. No! He's intense, man. They are now the opposition. They are the enemy. You're here rooting against me. Screw you. I just jammed it in your throat, and we're going to win. And that is that. And I love him. Garrett Wilson, he was even an afterthought week one. Remember who we were using over him? A guy who's not even a Jet anymore. Just had a touchdown for the Giants. So it's, that's nice for him. But tight end Lawrence Cager was given all kinds of reps. Garrett Wilson, in his first ever catch, made four people look like idiots and almost got a first down on like a third and 19 or whatever it was. You knew right away, right away, this guy's different. This guy just might be the best wide receiver we've had here in a long time. Since who? Toon? <laughs> I mean, you could say Santonio Holmes for a minute, right? You could say Brandon Marshall for a minute. But our own guy? Who? I mean, Santana Moss was here for a few minutes, right? Lavernius Coles loved me some Lavernius Coles, but I don't think even Coles, with his magical moments, is, was showing this. 
So Garrett Wilson, man, came right out of the gate and said, no, 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 you need me on the field. Game two, he took it over. Now look at what he's doing so far. He's got 42 receptions for 521 yards for a 12.4 yard per reception average, right? His long is 54 yards and he also has 15 first downs. Those are the important catches. You know, like I always talk about that. There are stat compilers. There are guys that just, you look at him and go, oh, he must be great. Like you look at the box score at the end of a game or at the end of the season, you go, oh yeah, he's clearly the best. Eh, Not all stats are the same. That's why I like these refining tools with a lot of these stats. They look at the situations, you know, they look at exactly what's going on. When did you get your stats? Are you getting sacks, you know, first down, first quarter, you know, first three minutes of the game? It's not that that's not important, but if you're getting a sack on fourth and two in the fourth quarter, that's a much bigger moment much bigger deal. And there are guys that show up when you need them to, and there are guys that are just good ball players, right? Now, a guy I always talk about is Quinnen Williams, and we'll talk about him later. He knows how to come up big exactly when you need him to. Garrett Wilson, look at how 15 first downs in the first seven games. He's reliable. Now, he had those drops. He's had his moments too. He's a rookie. But you can already see it. He's on pace for about 80 receptions and over 1,000 yards receiving. We haven't seen this in a while, guys, especially not from a young guy who's ours. Yeah, we brought over some guys, Decker, and I love them. They're great. I'm taking nothing away, but you know the difference. This guy's young. He's in his first season, and he's coming out of the box, letting everybody know, I am the man, and I love him, and I couldn't be more surprised. I love Garrett Wilson. He's my second surprise of the season, and just to remind you, In the biggest game of the year against the Buffalo Bills division rival we were not supposed to beat, he had eight receptions for 92 yards. Hello. Talk about big time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That's big time. Now, this one, this one is uh, another negative, okay? This one's another negative for the offense. And I, I, can't, I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't agree with me. Are you not surprised at the Elijah Moore turn? What happened here? Let me tell you, there were guys in my, I, you know, my fantasy league, he was like a fourth-round pick. There were guys thinking, this guy's going to explode. This is the guy out of the Jets' weapons arsenal. Elijah Moore is going to... He's going to pop right through and be the guy. I agreed. He's clearly been set up to succeed. He's going to shred the NFL. We've added good tight ends and good running backs and a Garrett Wilson. We are going to see an explosion from Elijah Moore. Now, we saw it was okay first couple weeks, but we saw the decline, complete misusage. In our opinion, we all talked about it. And then we even saw a trade request during a three-game win streak, which went exactly opposite of everything he said. It doesn't, it's not about me. I don't need stats. If I get no stats and we're winning, that's what's most important. Clearly, that was not the case. 
He was rubbed the wrong way and thought, this team is never going to use me the right way. And it blew up, man. I am blown away that it even ever got there. I really am, especially with this coaching staff who kind of prides themselves on being motivators, connected to men, you know, leaders of men. That's who they are. So the fact that this kind of snuck its way through and made it out to the surface really blew my doors off. Again, Elijah Moore, uh, he's got all the talent in the world. And here's what I think is going to happen. I think New England in Foxborough, we're going to see it. Elijah Moore is about to explode. And I think the second half of the season, we're going to see it. They're moving him to the slot, which is something that a lot of us said we wanted to see. Looks like the Jets are finally buying into that idea. Whatever they were trying wasn't working. They're getting over to the slot position with Elijah Moore, and I think it's going to bode really well. We already know Zach and Elijah had chemistry last year. We know this. So let's get it back, and let's ride the Elijah train alongside of Garrett Wilson and Berrios and Michael Carter and Corey Davis and Mims and everybody else that's on that damn uh, offensive side of the ball. Let's use Elijah Moore. I think it's coming, guys, but it blew my doors off. Never saw it coming. Hit me like a right cross out of the dark, dude. Knocked me silly. But we're still standing. We still got him, and we're moving into the future, and I think he's going to explode. I'm still holding on to it. Let's see how it goes. Now, the last one for the offense. We're going to talk about this offensive line. Are you kidding me? Let's just take a brief moment and recap, okay? These are the incarnations that we've suffered through this season, okay? Now, it started with the old Becton. Fant discussion. Remember, we didn't know who was going to play left, who's going to play right, was going to be a competition. The Jets said, no, Becton's going to the right side. It's going to be Fant on the left, Becton on the right. Great. Well, Becton gets hurt. So now we're like, oh no, what do we do? We were already talking to Dwayne Brown. So we bring him on and we say, Fant, we're sorry we got him. We did the right. It was Dwayne Brown and, and, and George Fant. But then Dwayne Brown gets hurt right away. Oh shit. Hey, Fant, we're really sorry. We got to move you to the left side again. We're going to move you over there. And now it's going to be Fant, and we're going to move the rookie up, Max Mitchell. He was never supposed to play, but he's going to play. Now, oh my God, we get a fourth round pick. He's a developmentalist. He's super scary. Max Mitchell plays well, and he's got Fant on the left side, so we're doing okay. And then all of a sudden, Fant's no good. He's got to go on IR. So we take our guard, AVT, we move him to the left side. Guess what he does? He plays lights out. So now it's AVT and Max Mitchell on the tackles. And that brings in our second guard, a backup named Nate Herbig, who people out there like Frankie from Flatbush are calling Herbie. I'm in. I'll call him Herbie. I can do that. So we got Herbie at the guard, AVT at the left tackle, Max Mitchell at the right tackle. Oh no, Max Mitchell goes down and we got Connor McDermott. So now we got AVT, Connor McDermott, and Herbie on the line. Spooky, scary, but they do an okay job. But good news, Dwayne Brown's ready to come back on the left side. Oh, fantastic. So Dwayne Brown comes back. Now we're going to have to play Connor McDermott on the right side. Nope. We're going to take AVT and we're going to move him to right tackle now. So now we have Dwayne Brown. And AVT at the tackle positions, and Herbie's still at the guard. Yay! But what happens? AVT gets hurt, and now he's out, and we don't have anybody. Now we're, we're signing dudes off of practice squads. Cedric Abouye, we got uh, Remmers coming in. We got all these guys. Oh, no, what do we do? For the last couple of weeks, Dwayne Brown at left tackle, Cedric Abouye at the right tackle. 
Nate Herbig, Herbie. At the right guard, and we have Lakin Tomlinson and Connor McGovern, who've been able to stay healthy so far. Knock on some wood with me there. Here we go. One, two, three. Great. Thank you. So we got that. Those guys have been at least there up to this point in the season. Now we're going into the bye week. What do we do? The rumors are maybe Fant might be ready to come back. Great. We start Fant. But what if he's not ready? Oh, maybe Mitchell's ready to come back. There are rumors, right? We got two weeks to feel it out. Nice. But Cedric Abouye, while he hasn't been perfect, man, what a find. What a find, huh? He actually all but nullified Von Miller, man, in the Buffalo game. Von made his plays, but he wasn't terrorizing Zach Wilson. Cedric Abouye, at bare minimum, Joe Douglas found our depth, man. In my opinion, you grab that guy, you give him a two-year contract, even if he's just depth. That's a nice guy coming off the bench, and he hasn't even been here long, and he's playing like this. I think it's great. We're very fortunate. I would definitely like to see Fant or Mitchell come back in. I don't want to play this hand for too long, but so far, so good. And that credit goes to our offensive line coach, and you got to give it to Michael Floor as well, what they've been able to do with all of that change. And guys, that's only in the first nine games. That all that happened. We don't even know what the hell's going to happen the rest of the year. This is why, guys, when you hear teams saying, oh, we have injuries. Dude, shut up. Shut your faces, okay? Are you on your ninth incarnation of your offensive line in the first damn nine weeks of the season? I don't think so. I don't think so. And that's in addition to Brees Hall, to Corey Davis. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Okay, look at what happened with the offensive line. Number one, the surprise is, holy shit, I never would have saw that coming. But number two, if that happens, I never thought that we would still have this good of an offensive line. Are they great? No. Are they perfect? Nope. Are they significantly better than we even had two years ago? Hell yeah. There's no Greg Van Roten. There's no turnstile at center. We've had the worst offensive lines in the world. Number 32, 31, 32. That's what we've been the last four or five years. All the way back to Sam Darnold coming in. Worst offensive lines in the league, if not bottom three. Look at all this change, all this upheaval and turnover. And we've been able to manage an offensive line that's really doing well in the running game and has been protecting Zach. If he can get the damn ball in his hand, stop running backwards. Pretty damn good, and we still got guys coming back. I applaud John Benton. I'm blown away by the scenarios themselves, but how well the New York Jets staff and the players have handled it, and that will wrap up the offensive surprise. Wow. Man, and there's more. Don't get me wrong. There's more stuff, but that's the stuff that rises to the top. Now, we'll trim it down a little bit for the defense. We'll kind of refine it and jam it in there. But boy, oh boy, am I surprised with this defense, okay? Now, last year, we had the 32nd ranked defense. 32nd, not 30th, not like among the worst. 27, you know, shit, that sucks. We have 27, 32. 32. Now, good news is Joe Douglas went out there and just influxed, man, with draft picks, with DJ Reeds, with Jordan Whiteheads, with Quan Alexanders, with Solomon Thomases. We got all these guys in here. And the defense comes out week one, doesn't look all that good. We're able to keep 
Lamar Jackson penned in, so it's good. But the pass rush is disappointing. First three weeks, not really what we wanted to see. Cleveland was able to move the ball almost at will on us, right? We couldn't get off the field. First half of the Bengals game, it's a train wreck. And then Quinnen goes and yells at the defensive line coach, Mr. White Cotton. Everything changes. Everything changes. This defense overall is amazing. I mean, it's amazing. PFF is rating this now. PFF is what it is, but there's still a, a, a rating and statistical organization. They're saying the New York Jets have the number one defense in the NFL. Now, there's all kinds of stats you can use to support one side or the other. I'll leave all that aside. All I know is that this defense is damn good, man. Much, much better than I even thought they could be. Number one, if not number five. When you look at them, sacks are sixth, you know, tied for sixth. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. We have a turnover in every game, at least one. It's crazy what we're seeing. So I'm blown away with the defense overall. Overall, tied for sixth in sacks, number one. It's insane. And this defense is young, and they're going to still get better. This defense hasn't even played with each other all that long. So let's take a look at some of the aspects of this defense that could be surprising me. Uh, how about our cornerbacks? How about that? How about it's very realistic that we have the number one cornerback trio in the entire NFL. Can you believe it? We have a, a rookie. We have a free agent considered small, right? Seattle didn't even want to re-sign him. We bring him over here. And then we have a sixth-round pick in Michael Carter II from the 2021 draft class. Wrapped up in a nice number one cornerback trio in the NFL. Now, there's arguments for some others. That is all well and good. They're among the elites. Sauce Gardner, in particular, is widely considered, if this continues, if he just stays on par with what he's been doing, he's a shoe-in for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Now, we would have been the first team since the 2015, maybe, 2017 Saints with Alvin Kamara and, La uh, Kamara and Lattimore to win both Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year. That won't happen with Brees Hall. Maybe Garrett Wilson. I mean, who knows? He's a definitely a candidate. But Sauce Gardner... Again, if he just continues the way he's going now, he's absolutely capable of winning the Defensive Rookie of the Year and should, quite frankly. The PFF gives him an 86.1 overall score, and uh, his stats look like this. The first nine games, he has 44 tackles, 13 passes defensed, 13 passes defensed in the first nine games, plus he has uh, two interceptions, on top of that. And again, like I'm talking about with other players, Sauce Gardner knows how to come up big when you need him. Was there a bigger play than the last play to Gabriel Davis from Josh Allen in the Buffalo game? Was there a bigger play? Look what he did. And now Buffalo crying, pass interference, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't pass interference. It was clean. If there was pass interference on that play, it was from, either, from the offense. Look at what, this is a rookie what he's doing. Blowing my doors off. Even though we knew he was good, I don't know. I find it hard to believe anybody really thought he would come out of the gate and do this. So Sauce Gardner, even though I'm talking about the defense and then the cornerbacks as a group, Sauce Gardner way up top, blowing my doors off. One of the best rookies I've ever seen. 
honestly. Uh, but let's talk about DJ Reed. DJ Reed has himself 42 tackles as well. Seven passes defense. That's nothing to shy. I mean, dude, seven passes defense is crazy. In total, he got, he got 13 and says 20 passes defense, 20 receptions that didn't happen because of these two guys. Uh, he's got himself another interception, and PFF gave him a 77 overall grade. Now, again, PFF with a grain of salt, but they're doing it, so we talk about it, right? So uh, 86 and 77, and again, Michael Carter II, one of the best slot corners in the entire NFL. Uh, it would have had that pick six, too, so he would have had two interceptions. He does, have, he does retain the one. The pick six was pretty damn big, though, I got to say, and that would have been nice for our defense. But now let's move into the defensive line. Now, again, they started disappointing. Why? Because we were all yelling and screaming about the defensive line. This is going to be a sack exchange 2.0. And they came out and it took them a minute. Carl Lawson was disappointing. Quinn Williams didn't do anything in the, in the first week. And then all of a sudden, slowly but surely, Quinn Williams has a big old screaming match on the sideline with his, uh, with his defensive line coach. And then everything changes. We're getting Almost as much pressure as any other team, if not more than any other team in the NFL, with four guys. We're blitzing two, three times a game. Just a little something, shake it up. Our four down linemen, in whatever incarnation it is, are getting to the quarterback at a rate we have not seen here in a very long time. There's no exotic schemes to get pressure. It's just mano e mano. Our guys are beating your guys, and in some instances, making them look flat out silly. Quinnen Williams leads the pack. This is his contract year. He's been getting better every single year from when he's a rookie. If you look at it, it's just a nice, steady, upward trajectory. He had seven sacks last year. He's got seven sacks now at the halfway point. He's on pace to get himself 14, which, by the way, was one of my bold takes early in the season before it started. I got laughed at for over a month on Twitter. They kept coming back. Hey, man, remember when you said 14 sacks? <laughs> remember? You know who you are, you bastards. Remember, Quinn Williams, didn't? he had a slow start, didn't do anything week one. You know what it was like on my end week one? Five, six, ten DMs. Hey, buddy. How's your 14 looking now? Well, let me return the question to you. How's my 14 looking now? And it doesn't matter if he gets 14, 10, 20. It doesn't matter specifically. It's the impact that this guy has on our games. This young man who should be signed no matter what the cost. 22 million is 22 million. 19.7, it's 19.7. Whatever you got to give. To realistically keep Quinnen Williams in a Jets uniform for five more years before you even think about what's next, you do it. Quinnen Williams should be a Jet for his entire career, in my opinion. He's a great guy, great team chemistry guy, great leader, super positive, comes out when negative things come. Dude, he comes out for the positive. He is fantastic. And guess what else he is? He's elite. He's leading defensive tackles in run stops. He's leading defensive tackles in just overall tackles. He's leading defensive tackles in solo tackles. And by the way, he's got seven sacks on top of it all. Oh, oh, did I mention he's got a friggin' blocked field goal this year in the first half? So let's take a look at what his, his specific stats actually are. He's got 33 overall tackles, 20 of which are solo. 
Six of them are tackles behind the line of scrimmage, tackles for a loss. He's got 17 quarterback hits, one fumble recovery, one forced fumble, and again, he blocked a field goal. This guy is a, is a man possessed. He's a man amongst boys in, in certain instances. He did the Tyree kill stiff arm to the ground. There's so much going on around Quinn Williams this year. He is a dynamo. I love having him. Now, I knew, again, I said 14 sacks. Did I think it would really happen? Maybe not. But what, I, what my point was, was I believe this guy's trajectory is, is going to continue upward, and I believe he's going to be a leader on this team, and I'm still surprised with what I'm seeing from Quinn Williams. I think this guy is still just getting started. He's young. He's 24. 25, what do you think he's 24 years old? We can have this guy until he's mid-30s, and he can be the next Aaron Donald for years for us. Something we've sorely missed on this team since a guy like maybe Sean Ellis was gone. Somebody who's a jet for their whole career, man. And maybe one year with the Patriots. We'll leave that aside, but that's what we're missing around here. The Mangolds, the Brickishaw Ferguson, the Sean Ellis's, the Mo Lewis's, the Kyle Clifton's. That's what we're missing. Quinnen Williams is that guy. And let's just spread it from Quinnen to the whole defensive line. Did I mention that we're tied for sixth overall in sacks? And we're not even blitzing. We're running four dudes. And we have a rotation that pissed us all off all, all you know, the whole first half of the season. Why is this guy playing so much? I'm part of that. I'm part of it. Isn't it time? Week nine by week that we say, hey, Jeff. Mr. Ulbricht, Mr. Defensive Coordinator. We're sorry, buddy. We're sorry. You know what I mean? We're sorry. We're sorry, Salah. Receipts. <laughs> receipts. We're like, shut up with the receipts. Win a damn game already, you know? We're tired of the 32nd ranked defense. Okay. Maybe the rotation's good because I'll tell you what. The fourth quarter shit that we're pulling, this dominating fourth quarter stuff. Look, we just did the Buffalo in the fourth quarter. They had no shot. We owned the fourth quarter. That is a direct derivative of the rotation that we hated. Going to say it. Going to call it like it is. Now, I still think Quinnen should be playing maybe another 10%. I do. I do. But man, oh man, is it working. We're sorry. Now, I can't speak for everybody, right? But I can certainly speak for the eight or nine guys that live in here. And we are sorry, Jeff Ulbricht, Robert Sala, everybody else involved. We're digging it. This defensive line is blowing my doors off. I haven't seen anything like this defensive line since the Jeff Lagerman, Marvin Washington, Scott Mercer, Dennis Bird line. Nothing like it. The last time we saw Quinnen Williams was Dennis Bird. I mean, look, we had Chris Jenkins, right? But he was always injured. But he, if that guy stayed healthy, he would be one of the best defensive linemen that we've ever had. Without question. Couldn't stay healthy. It's a shame. It sucks. It's sad. I hate it. But the best guy that we've had interior uh, before Quinn, I mean, who is it? I love DeVito and Puha. I love those guys. They weren't Quinnen. It had to be Dennis Bird. Had to be. So Quinnen's the next guy. Uh, Dennis Bird's second year, he had 13 sacks and he had seven sacks pretty much every other. That's Quinnen. Okay. Quinnen's going to get his multi, you know, his double digit sacks this year. And I think he'll, he'll nail 14, might even exceed it if he just keeps going. 
uh, and I'm really excited about it, man. Our defensive line is stellar. Carl Lawson, uh, you know, even guys like, you know, uh, Sheldon Rankins, who's now injured, but, you know, uh, Solomon Thomas, Nathan Shepard. Okay, we'll leave him alone. Nathan had a really good game in Buffalo, man. I still think he's the weak link on the defensive line. But he's playing hard. He's the king of strain. Salah and Ulbrich love him. It is what it is. He's playing well. You got Quinn and Williams. And we even have guys like J uh, Jermaine Johnson, JJ, and Bryce Huff coming out of nowhere, man. These guys are on fire. And don't forget about JFM. The defensive line is stacked. And I'm really surprised by just how good they are with the four. I knew that. I Look, I was psyched about it. But this good, and they're still going up. They're still gelling, man. It's a big surprise for me. The cornerbacks, now the linebackers are playing hard. They're playing good. They're, I love, I love C.J. Mosley. I, I really like Jamie and Sherwood coming in. You know, when C.J. Mosley went down, don't forget, Jamie and Sherwood made all the tackles when C.J. Mosley was out. All of them. Four plays, he made four tackles. That's what he did. It's not bad for coming in off the bench, all right? But Quan Alexander, great pickup. Quincy Williams is, is I mean, come on, he's a train. He's a, he's a truck. So you got to love it, but it's the defensive line and it's the cornerbacks that blew my doors off. And boy, oh boy, am I digging it because that's how you win football games. If we're going to have a quarterback that's erratic and just needs to be a manager, you better have a whole bunch of weapons and a defense that can keep you in it. And we have that. We have it. This team, this team is built the right way. I'm loving it. And I just love the first half of this season. Six and three, guys. Come on. I'm telling you, it's been a long time since we've had so much fun. And I just, uh, I couldn't be more excited about it. I can't wait for the second half of the season. I hope you're as excited as I am, guys. This is going to be great. This is going to be great. We are building the foundation of one of the better teams that we've seen here in well over a decade. Even the 2015, man, that was a one-year, it was a snatch. That was a, a quick grab. That's what that one was. And it didn't work. We missed. We missed the mark. We put it together real quick, and we missed. And that's it. And we haven't been the same since. This is the first year we have any chance of anything good happening, and it's built on young legs. That is the difference. That's why I'm so excited. Let me know if I missed anything, man. I love hearing what you guys think. There's, of course, there's going to be areas that you disagree and things that I missed. Let me know in the comments. I'll be sure to talk to you and see how this one goes. But guys, I hope you're as excited as I am. Please don't forget to hit the like button on your way out. And if you haven't subscribed, now is the time. Let's go. Hit that button. Thank you guys for being here. I hope you had a good bye week. And let's go into New England and get our revenge on them cheating sons bitches. Okay? That's what we're doing. It's revenge week now. Bye week's over. Revenge week is on. Steal the hoodies joy. Thanks for being here. And as always, go Jets. <laughs>